Marketing, the casino for businesses trying to break through to the frontier of success. These are the voyages of entrepreneurs, dreamers, and really naive millennials on a mission to get ridiculously wealthy. To seek out new traffic to their stores, offices, and websites. This is Unbottleneck, the marketing podcast taking you to the farthest reaches of online and offline marketing. With the elite experts, professors, and that crazy guy with the weird haircut who has two gazillion Snapchat subscribers and wields his social media influence like a sword from Castle Grayscale dipped in CBD oil and lit with a blue flame ready to break through the tough bottlenecks of marketing. Welcome to Unbottleneck. Now here's your host, the nerd of nerds, Steve Wiedemann. Coast. Today we're going to be talking about multi-location scaling for multi-location on landing page and I've got Amy and Vanessa with me. Uh, my name is Steve Wiedemann. Let's uh, just do maybe some quick introductions. Uh, let's go on my camera to be left to right. So Amy, you want to kind of give us some background? Sure. I have been in SEO for almost three years. Uh, most recently was at TripAdvisor on the attractions team and was part of the cost-cutting layoffs, so open to new opportunities. Fantastic. Vanessa? Yeah, and similar to Amy, I've been in SEO for about three years now, um, and most recently at TripAdvisor, and then also, unfortunately, was part of all of the layoffs, but I am starting a new opportunity with Instacart, so that's really exciting. Um, started this week. Yep. Outstanding. So so like, like me, you guys live and breathe search, right? Yes. Very exactly. cool. So, and, and for those of you who, who don't know who I am, my name is Steve Wiedemann, and I've been in search for a couple decades. And um, I'm, I'm really passionate about multi-location. So we've worked with some fun multi-location brands and working with map listings as well as organic. So um, long time doing this. Enjoy it. It's fun. I like to be part of the forums and the, the Facebook groups. And now there's a new digital marketing organization group where we all yes. kind of got to meet, which was neat. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so cool. Let's, let's get into it. I have a list of questions just to okay. give us something to start with. Uh, first one of course is, uh, the basics, right? We're one of the things that we want to talk about are what, what are some basic things when we think about our, our local landing page that, um, any website designer needs to think about, you're going to target all of these different cities and you have to do it at scale. You can't, you can't just like flip a switch and have all sorts of great content for 300 cities. <laughs> so what are, what are like some of the, the basics kind of in, in your opinions that, that you, you think are sort of fundamental to local landing page? Yeah. Um, so we worked on the experiences side. So for us, a lot of the basics um, to do it at scale is obviously the name of your business or the name for us of like the attraction that we wanted to do at scale um, or the type of activity the address, the phone number, um, a web link, if you have it, just the simple basics um, mm -hmm. to have up there so that when Google's crawling your site, they understand the relevancy of that page and its location to where searchers might be based on um, their IP address or their zip code. I was saying another thing too, um, we focused a lot on like internationalization or like, you know, different places around the world and spelling things like, you know, the word traveler with one L or two L's for the UK versus the US and even, you know, of course, other languages as well. Yep. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um, some of the things I was thinking about were, were like um, security, you know, like HTTPS. And mm -hmm. um, I remember last year, there was this update that happened if you didn't have a certain type of 
security that um, uh, Google would actually put a little note in the browser. Like, by the way, you know, the site isn't necessarily secure. You know, yeah. I thought that was that was something that made me not want to fill out forms. It, it really yeah. sort of you know, pushed me away from sites that I wasn't really sure about. Um, the other thing I thought was privacy. You know, um, I've noticed when you do Google ads that your ads will get disapproved if you, um, uh, if you don't have a privacy policy or if you have a form and you don't really say how you're going to use the, uh, the person's information. So, um, you know, I thought that was something really interesting too. Yeah, and I'd say another thing too, um, when you're, if you're just starting out to figure out what pages you wanna build out, like your taxonomy and how you wanna do it by, like for us, we had, um, you had the country, the state, the region, the city, and then we even had neighborhood um, pages. Uh, if you're building that at scale, um, obviously it depends on what industry you're in. So certain things might not be for travel because a lot of people searched by neighborhood. That was really important to us, but you might not need that. Um, in Instacart's case, maybe only the city is um, enough right now for how people are shopping with like grocery delivery services as well. Um, and you want to figure out on your back end based on where you want the user to land, um, if you want to do it by their IP location um, yeah. or their zip code onto those different pages as well. Yeah, Personalize the experience. Yeah, yeah. taxonomy why, perspective. Why make them click if you can get them past the click on, on your own, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, some other ideas that I kind of jotted down were like accessibility. And, and this is a controversial one for SEO because aside from alt tags, SEOs have never really for the most part, publish anything about how how accessibility could impact search engine rankings. But there's so many different considerations with um, with font sizes, you know, and using EM and REM versus uh, point and pixels. There's um, the navigation tag, right? Those folks with accessibility issues don't want to have to listen to the whole nav, um, you know, and can skip it or bypass it if there's you know that nav tag. Um, and then videos, you know, making sure there's captions and so forth on on videos or um, I don't think we do this as much anymore, but we used to embed text on images, which isn't really a good accessibility thing. Yeah. And if we don't describe it well, you know, with a caption or an alt tag, um, it can be problematic. So we've we've definitely noticed a difference, you know, not a lot, but enough that, you know, every, every point matters. So I think accessibility is something that um, often gets overlooked and does play a much bigger role than just alt tags. I think I think anytime you're talking about maps, and I know we're not we're talking about maps, we're talking about organic, but when we're talking about maps, the name, address, phone number, um, you know, making sure that that's accurate and matches with everything that uh, a search engine might find online. Um, maybe even a Google map or, or some sort of a map to show the user where you're talking about. Since there's there's two Orange Counties, right? there's probably more than that. There's you know, California and Florida. So having a map sort of helps someone visually know that you know we're talking about a certain place. Um, even if it's just a diagram of a map, we we do that sometimes with some of our attorneys at multiple locations. We'll show uh, a diagram of the of the actual state, so that they go, oh yeah, that's my state, or you know they recognize it right away and know that that the service provider you know um, works in that state. The only thing I had that uh, really wouldn't apply to organic, but more toward you know map rankings is directions. Having a link to directions because it's great if you are brick and mortar. Um, like a like a, a car repair shop, but you don't um, you don't give users a way to find your address. That can sort of be problematic. So I think I think those are you know part of the basics is there security, privacy, accessibility, name, address, phone number if you're doing maps, and then um, you know hours and directions. I would say.
Yeah. And um, just even like just the basic meta title content OPFs on the page to be localized as well. And if you don't have, um, if I don't know if you have a marketplace or you don't have the resources to get gather all this information, a lot of the times uh, we would crawl um, some of Google Maps results for certain places and get those addresses and that information because we know that's always up to date and accurate is the fastest way if we weren't able to collect it um, at a fast rate or collect that from our suppliers as well as another tip on the back end if you have a marketplace um, to gather all that information. Yeah, and it's it's crawl not yeah. scrape, right? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think for anyone who's who's watching, who's doing multi-location, I think that's at least start with those things that, that we just talked about. If, if you're you know planning on on you know really trying to scale up, I think those things are are sort of paramount. Um, some next level SEO things that we could talk about that aren't quite as as geeky as as some of the things that we had on the list um, include like location images, you know, and there's. Even even some of the threads, multiple threads that we're in in uh, social groups, um, there's folks that are you know geotagging images, and you know there's a lot of controversy around whether there's a benefit or not a benefit, and um, it's it's kind of kind of funny to watch. One of the things that that we've done on the organic side is we'll just make sure that our image you know is, is obviously optimized to load fast, and it's a progressive JPEG, or we're using a new format like WebP. Um, but we'll name the image after what we're going after. We did this with um, uh, with public storage back in 2000, it was like 2014, 2015. What we did was we renamed all of the, you know, acd65.jpg to um, self-storage-facilities um, and then the address or the uh, the city and, and zip. And that seemed to make a, a difference. We saw, I think it was like a like a 6% lift and it also helped us to show up in Google Images, which isn't really where people are going to look for storage, but it might be where they go to look to see what the storage looks like from other people's perspective. So if your your listing shows up in there, and that that's where we noticed the the biggest difference is that our images start showing up in image search, and we did see an incremental lift in local landing page by just you know naming, uh, just changing the name of an image, which seems really silly, but. Yeah. It seemed to work. Did you guys do that at TripAdvisor? Did you? Yeah, all of the yeah. images are, um, you know, very descriptive uh, named. And um, I found that as well. You know, it wasn't really something that we focused on as SEOs for TripAdvisor, but we ranked a lot for image search. Mm -hmm. And I think that that does help with, you know, overall brand and recognition and um, visibility. Especially for yeah. travel. That's yep. the first yeah. place that I go to. Whenever, whenever I'm showing anyone where my wife and I are going for, um, uh, for our 20 year anniversary this year, which got pushed till uh, December. But um, uh, I always go straight to Google Images. And I'm like, that's our room right there. You know, yeah. I, don't, I don't go to web search, right. I go straight to image search. Right. Other thing are reviews. And this is a really tough one, I think, for um, especially for larger chains. Uh, smaller, smaller restaurants work really hard to earn their clients' trust in business. And they get, in general, they get good reviews unless they're a crappy restaurant and then they kind of go out of, out of business on their own. But um, but for a large chain, let's just say an, an Applebee's or an Olive Garden, you know they have thousands of locations, and it's tough to to figure out a way to moderate. So if you're going to take in like native reviews, where it's your survey system or a third party like like BirdEye or whatever, um, it's hard to moderate it. And at one point, I remember going to one of our clients' offices and 
looking at the the big monitor they have that shows uh, a location up and on the location it was it was streaming reviews that were like live reviews and I'm like <laughs> like some of them are pretty bad and and graphic and I'm like mm -hmm. who's moderating this this is embarrassing you know because you know that's, that was the challenge so they had to pull it off because there there really wasn't a way unless unless you hire like like two or three dedicated people to sit yep. in the corporate office all day long <laughs> and pick through you know tens of thousands of reviews every day it's just not possible but we see the value in it one it's like user generated content you know when you have to scale UGC yeah. is the easiest way to do that yeah. um, but you don't want to gate your reviews because that's unethical that's just saying you know hey all of our reviews are good see you know and and by doing that you know it's it's telling people that you're not being honest about what people are really saying about you so it's kind of a tough conundrum now you at Tripadvisor you guys had a lot of reviews on specific um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what so how how did that work and how did it benefit SEO or, or was it even part of the SEO strategy Oh yes, it was. Um, every single review yeah. is actually indexed as an individual page, okay. um, so it covers a, just a huge amount of long tail, right? Like, and yeah. it's user generated. You don't have to moderate it or um, even really care if the sentiment is good or bad. Right. So it was like yeah. a sub page, so that if someone were to do a search for Disneyland reviews, it would be TripAdvisor, Anaheim, Disneyland slash reviews sort of thing. Yeah. Well, okay. and the other thing too that was really helpful for us is we were constantly working with our engineers to like gather different, um, come up with like different algorithms to basically test out pulling different review snippets. I'm sure you've seen on the TripAdvisor site at scale to different listing pages that um, local listing pages and things like that, that don't have as much content sure. um, and really trying to pull out different key words about an attraction or that hotel or that city that people have mentioned um, because those end up getting, we get so many, reviews per day that those would get buried eventually, but we can repurpose them and resurface them on some of these other um, more thin content pages. And we saw, yeah, pretty good um, lift with that. And I, I've seen Yelp seems to be doing something similar where they're adding like snippets of review on their listing pages now um, as well. That's so. controversial because uh, the sentiment from business owners is that they always show the negative review in the search results on yeah. Yelp <laughs> anyway. Um, so you you actually you actually worked and tested so that you could control the snippet that would show up in Google with reviews. Oh, not the Google snippet, just like snippets on our own um, okay. site. Adding, yeah, adding yeah, more content, um, basically yeah. like giving you a better understanding. Like if we didn't even know what the attraction really was because the owner didn't put anything in there, like we'd be able to tell the user what the thing was by you know the number of mentions, um, mm -hmm. of something. Yeah. Yeah. And we also, um, just to get inspiration from content, because we have so many passionate travelers that would write these like detailed itineraries or like things that they liked and didn't like about a place. Like we had a team kind of going through that and pulling out helpful information. And then we would try and think of like new content that we can do at scale using um, that helpful information that more like localized experts that are there and doing this stuff that you know maybe we've never been to that destination but we have a bunch of reviewers that have um to inspire that kind of content as well Amazing. i wonder if i wonder if you could yeah. figure out a way to program which reviews are the most helpful and grab the one that that seems to be the most helpful and use that as a subheading underneath the you know the, the main h1 so it's like you know whatever uh, destination reviews and then a quote you know that's from the the most helpful review if that would if that would benefit bounce rates or conversion. It's interesting to think about. I know we used um, we used reviews, especially for auto repair shops that tend to get a bad reputation. 
we use the review subpage as a way to manage ORM. So if you were to do a search for the, you know, the auto franchise um, and and modify it with reviews, the first thing that comes up wouldn't be a, a Yelp or a Google review. It would actually be you know the, the site.com/slash/location/slash/reviews, so that you had a little bit of control over it. Um, but even then, you have to be careful because you don't want to gate them. You just want to filter and sort them in a way that that you know sort of shows the the positive side, but without um, trying to hide the negative. It's a but, tough yeah. one. I think like in general, even just addressing reviews, whether they're good or bad, like just, you know, ha showing some engagement as a business is, you know, really helps with trustworthiness. And then also by actually like, you know, looking that at them and, and using the content, it can become a really valuable part of like your product cycle and feedback. Um, you know, some complaints, maybe new features. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to think about ways that, that businesses can, can put reviews on their page to get a Google snippet without having to worry about looking silly and promoting a really bad review. I think that's a challenge that all businesses sort of need to figure out. Um, again, without gating, maybe, maybe they could, and this is something we haven't tried, but maybe they could, they could just state something on their page that says, these are our favorite reviews to see all of our reviews click here. And then they put that on a page that's that can be crawled, but you just put a no index tag on it so that you know Google doesn't index that that all reviews page. So it's reviews slash all. You're showing all the reviews. You're giving them the option to do reviews, but you're only showing you know um, a small segment of your favorite reviews on the page. I don't know if they'd even show a snippet if you did that, but it would be interesting to test. Yeah, like hiding it behind some sort of pagination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I heard they don't exactly. care about the anymore. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's here's a tough one, and it still falls in our next level, is localized content. So mm -hmm. outside of just reviews, um, it can be really tough. And and one of the one of the things that, that we had suggested for one of the restaurant chains we work with is a Google form, basically. We put a form together, we said, Hey, send this to all your franchisees. And the questions were to get evergreen answers, like um, what are what are some of the nearby colleges and universities? What are some popular attractions that aren't likely going to go anywhere in the next ten years? Um, you know what what are some of the major um, parks and what are maybe some things in uh, about the history of the city that make it so interesting? Um, uh, who are the um, the teams, the sports teams in the area, and where are their stadiums um, in uh, in respect to where the business was? And we thought these were all good questions that that wouldn't be something that would have to be changed every year or or modified. That would be, you know, pretty evergreen, you know, unless something horrible happens or a theme park closes or something. Um, but uh, but there was a lot of kickback on it. The kickback was, you know, that that franchisees won't understand why we're doing this or put the time into it. And I'm like, well, just do it anyway. And those that that don't, will you know, do it for them. Then the second challenge was who's going to moderate, you know, two thousand uh, Google form submissions. Right, and we're like, we'll do sure. it for you, and they're like, yeah, but we can't really have a third party doing that, representing us, if we're saying something about uh, our restaurant or in our area. So the sort of the crawl, walk, run is one of the um, uh, contacts there. Uh, one to do was, hey, let's let's put some drop downs into the back end so they can pick and choose some things, so that way at least there's varied content, even though it's a lot of the same fields. The the actual um, uh, variable will be different, you know the um, the attribute will be the same, but the variable will be different. Like, I guess that's okay, because then it turns 
1,700 semi-identical pages into more like 400 <laughs> semi-identical yeah. pages. Um, and uh, it's still challenging. How how did you guys handle that at TripAdvisor with, with localized content? Do you have like an army of writers or what'd you do? We did have an in-house um, on our, which was amazing. <laughs> they, But they were on one of the brands, um, our Viator brand that we owned. And they basically, we would write unique content for the TripAdvisor site and then their other brands. So there'd be two different versions of um, the same localized content, essentially, so that they're both stayed unique. Um, and then dynamic content as well, like different product shelves showing based on like location as well and interest of like the behavior of those users. Um, user research, like definitely sync up with your user research team. We did a lot of that to kind of understand the behavior of different people in different locations and um, based off of that, what they might be interested in. And then internal linking wise, we had a bunch of, as you've seen the nearby based on our whole taxonomy, like we'd link to a bunch of nearby cities or nearby attractions, et cetera. Um, so that way there's an interlinking strategy as well with it. That's incredible. Definitely. Yeah, when I think about I think about that that sort of really hyper-local content, the first thing that comes to mind is the person who writes it, do they get to go and visit that destination? And <laughs> a do lot of times, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do I get that job? We're like, I wish I could be on that team. Yeah, I, I just wanna travel and take pictures, you know? Yeah, it doesn't. That's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the second part, of course, it has to it has to play into the business goals, right? Your mm -hmm. business goal isn't to hey, let's just drive as many people we can to the website. It's it's let's get people to to book trips and vacations and um and make purchases, you know, and and get them to click on ads. I'm sure there's there's a lot of of different ways that TripAdvisor was monetizing that traffic. I remember looking at like breakfast restaurants Las Vegas, and I got an email like the very next day with, you know, here you were looking at, at breakfast restaurants, here's a list of them. And then I get retargeted wherever I went with, you know, the same TripAdvisor ads. I'm like, wow, you guys are really good. Aggressive PRM <laughs> <Yes>. there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how marketing works though. You, you guys really nailed it. And I thought that was amazing. It wasn't just that I searched and found a TripAdvisor page, but when I got there, because you personalized my experience and knew who I was um, as a user, you could continue to send me content and say, are you still interested in? I thought that was incredible. So. And, and the teams there, I'm sure they played together really well. Like they'll say, hey, one of the things that we want to do is, is get more people in for this. And the SEO team would work with the writers to, you know, to, to build that, right? Yeah, and I think like another tip for like, which was very collaborative there. So you made sure you had one representative um, of all like products, CRM, the marketing, the content, SEO um, for these big product ideas to make sure that we are all together on the same page and everyone could bring their different perspectives because everyone's different expertise together. And then we would run, you know, a variety of product runs their type of AB conversion test, and then we run our traffic test and then together kind of figure out the page layout and where the content should live and all of that based on those findings. Um, nice. And then measure the results and you do it again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Over and over and over and over. Never I think that was all I had on the, the next level SEO stuff. The location images, reviews, native reviews, um, and localized content. The one thing we didn't talk about on reviews is using third-party reviews. I know Google sort of frowns on that and rarely will show a snippet if you're borrowing from your Google My Business or Yelp or somewhere else. So it's it seems like the consensus now is if you're going to do reviews, get your own, right? Um, and then if um, 
if a client visits and they've already left you a review and they come back and they do it again, instead of pushing them back to even another review, unless it was a poor one, then you push them to, um, you know, to leave a review elsewhere, right? That seems that way anyway. Um, so here's the tough one, advanced SEO. This is the one we're probably going to lose some people on who, uh, who aren't as, <laughs> as geeky as, as we're probably going to get on some of this stuff. Um, the first one I think is, is this structured markup, you know, with the latest uh, Google updates and there's been like three or four in the last month. Yep. Um, I believe it was April 26th and then May 4th. Um, you know, we saw some changes some shifts uh, several months ago. We saw um, the FAQ page uh, markup start to show up very prominently in search results and the whole world, you know, went crazy trying to make sure the review <laughs> snippet and their FAQ were in the search results because you have all this real estate now that people can click on. And they went from like six down to like four, I think. Right. So it's like they're they're still kind of testing to see what's helpful and what, what's not helpful. But um, it seems to be sort of the mad rush right now in doing that. And um, what were some of the the markup tests that, that you guys did at TripAdvisor that you um, learned were good or bad? FAQs was big for us because for the travel industry, um, right when we got word of that, we just came up with a plan. It was the hotels and attractions team to implement that as fast as we could. And we were the first um, at least on the attraction side, because there was a few other people with hotels um, side of the business that are competitors that did it at the same time. But from an, the attraction perspective side of the business, we were the first to get FAQs on all of our things to do pages. And that was a massive win for us. Uh, we were already TripAdvisor. So with the schema markup, um, you already have to be basically on page one for it to make a difference with FAQ. So we were already in the top five position for a lot of these pages, but it just helped increase like our click-through rate and our interaction. Um, and we were able to set up tracking with all that too, to see the interaction that people had with questions and which ones seemed to be the ones they were most interested in and they'd click through too. Um, and to do that at scale. That's what we, I was going to ask. Is what yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> I do that across thousands of locations. You just magically came up with questions that fast. Um, so the approach for us was trying to figure out the most broad type question that could apply to many destinations. So like what are the most popular attractions, things to do um, based on our category type um, and tour type that we can kind of do at scale for these destinations to start off really broad. Um, and then because we know that Google loves like list item, you know, bulletproof or bullet point, bulletproof, bullet point, um, answer. So then we kind of structured everything like that. And in those bulleted lists, we would then link back to individual products or the categories or attractions that we were listing. So that way it gave us the capability to partner with our content team to make sure like the question wording and part of the answer wording was, you know, brand approved essentially. And then our engineers would code in um, and we'd pull in the names of products and pull in the names of attractions and switch out the geo name um, and do that at scale. So that prevented us from having to like, you right. know, write everything manually. We just had one kind of template and we'd have data points and then we'd switch them out based on um, our data and then do that yep. at scale. Yep. It yeah. was interesting that, that Google started offering in their GMB the the whole uh, questions about this business a few years ago and then yeah. all of a sudden FAQ pages all over the place, you know, so it's interesting yeah. that, that those things happen at the same time. One of the things I tell um, those clients that have a few locations is just do a search, right? Just, uh, just mm -hmm. do a general search and see what people are saying about you or about it. You know, if, if you're in travel about your destination. So if it was Disneyland, you just 
punch in Disneyland and see what uh, people say about as you know potential ideas. One of the things when we're working with uh, Dole, the uh, pineapple company, is is you know when we're thinking, hey, what questions people have about our products or um, you know or about something that we're doing, we just did a search for it, and every single question um, was answered by a third party. And I'm like, this is this yep. is be all our content. This could drive more traffic and right. build more brand authority to our pages, but we're just giving it away to these third parties. So it's interesting how much traffic we give away to other parties. Um, uh, one app I work with right now that's a gas discount app. Uh, the question was, how much is the premium version? And some other website comes yeah. up with a featured answer that has the price. And I'm like, guys, let's let's get this in our meta description. Let's get this yeah. yep. up on the page. Let's get this in our you know our FAQ page. So um, so we'll see how it how it pans out. But that was like like a big red flag. I think every business needs to do that. Look for your product, your service, and your brand, um, and see what Google's suggesting as common questions, and be the be the one that have the best answer on it. And maybe even go the next step and get other websites to share your answer. And one way that we've been doing that is through Google Alerts. It's pretty hard to do at scale, you know, in the hundreds of thousands. But when you have, yeah. you know, 20 to 50 locations, it's not not too difficult to do that. And um, it might take some time to do it, but it's it's worth the effort anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I think the other thing to add on to that of just helpful tools to you, like answer the public's a really nice tool. Um, people also ask when you do a Google search, seeing all the questions there, you can use Screaming Frog to crawl that um, if you don't have time to do that manually. Um, and just an SEMrush has a good content tool as well that you can spit in yeah. and it like spits out all these different. Yeah, the magic. It's like awesome. It'll spit out different ways, um, different questions, because uh, to your point, and that's what I'm seeing starting out with Instacart as well, is just so many bloggers are answering questions that are very basic questions about how the company works that we need to add to our pages on just the whole process. Um, so I think that's really important. Yeah, and you know, you could port, yeah. you could technically you port all of that data, whether you use it all on the landing page or not, to your uh, Google Action Console as questions that you can answer via Google Voice. Yeah. So the more you think about it. Um, other markup that we've seen be really effective for the restaurant franchise anyway was events. So when there's a big event like a Halloween special or whatever, um, across all the local landing pages, we can put some event markup. Um, the link in the in the snippet would go to the actual promotion page, but the date and the name of the event would be right there in the search result, giving us an extra row, which, like you'd mentioned, can can help with click through rates and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So um, so events we we thought was a really good one. Um, what else do we have? Definitely. We used uh, um, the you know just the standard local business markup as well on the, like the property pages for an actual attraction or um, mm -hmm. hotel or whatnot and. Although that didn't actually, you know, improve traffic when we tested it, we rolled it out just, you know, to improve our chances of showing up in Google in different ways. Right on. What do you yeah. What do you think else would be an advanced, um, an advanced attribute? I, I keep thinking like maybe dynamic content or, um, you know, what are what are some things that you think are really complex that could have a benefit towards, you know, uh, a major chain or even even a travel destination with you know, hundreds of thousands of destinations. Um, what other more complex things you know can we do? I know one question that that comes up a lot is should we be doing AMP? And I feel like and and Marty Weintraub and I were talking about this the other day. Um, I feel like this this whole core vitals thing is to push web developers to replace AMP, you know, with their own yeah. fast loading uh, 
you know, web pages. Um, his feelings the same about it. So, um, you know, in that question of AMP, it's like if you really cannot with your technology stack, if you can't get your page to load lightning fast, AMP is a good substitute for it. But ideally, unless you're a news website and you need to be in the news right. um, carousel, mm -hmm. um, you need to just rebuild your your site to be lightning fast. And, and you know, even if you have to leverage, you know, new JavaScript libraries or uh, use React or something, there's, there's always a, a way to make it faster without, um, you know, without having to use AMP. What, what are some other things you could think of that, um, you know, uh, some businesses should consider if they have the resources to do more advanced um, local landing page SEO. Just a comment on on AMP real quick. We did do some experiments with that on one of TripAdvisor's smaller subsidiary websites, and I think it was you know only after a couple of months we ended up killing that project. It it didn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't worth it. <laughs> yeah, I think it actually hurt our traffic. Yeah, especially if the user experience isn't the same. Like right, it, exactly, it, it, yeah, and it wasn't. It was you know there's a lot less content. I feel like a lot of AMP pages are really just doorway pages more than mm -hmm. anything. You know, just use it to get the top ranking, and then once they get there, drive them to the page they really want to get to. Right. So it's, it's like an extra step. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's kind of crazy. By the way, I did pull the stats that I've mentioned. So I have a few stats for you on, on local landing page if time permits. So we'll yeah. see if we can get to it. I have a huge page full of them. Um, cool. Well, we already kind of talked about the FAQ page. That was something we had on the list that we wanted to talk about was was just that markup in general. And yep. um, you said you saw a pretty significant difference in click-through rates. Um, yeah, are you measuring that with with like Search Console and just kind of pulling that in with an API? Or what, what kind of things do, do should enterprises be using to run those sort of tests? Google Search Console, and then you can add, we had a, um, an MC, we called it MCID parameter in there. And we put, you can put a little code if you want to put a link um, in your answer in the schema markup like a learn, for example, ours is like learn more. And then if they click on that link when it's expanded the FAQs and land on your page, it kicks back to us saying that, okay, they came through and click that link with our FAQs. Cause you can use Google search console, of course, just to see like the impressions and clicks, but we wanted to see the actual interaction um, with it. And then we partnered with our analytics team to get a good measure on um, that. And so that's how we and measured so the interaction. A lot of people clicking the links within the FAQ then. Yeah. And we put up at the time, I think it was, you can have up to 11 questions if they did the show more and it would drop down to that. Um, and so depending on, we also built out um, a logic where depending on, you know, different cities and regions might not have as many products. Um, so we built out a whole logic where like certain questions might not show up if they don't have products in that category um, and all that. So the like number of questions and else, right? <laughs> yeah, the number of questions varied um, on each one, but we had up to 11, but most of the interactions were just on the like top four because, um, or top three that were shown, so. Interesting, yeah. that's, that's really cool. So it's definitely worth testing. I didn't even know we could do links until like, um, on like a month and a half ago. And I'm like, yeah. like oh, we could yeah. do links. oh, we could even do blocks. We could do, yes. we could do, <laughs> emojis in here and, and do some really creative things. So exactly. you know, we've, we've been having a lot of fun with testing to see how, how users interact with the content and what Google thinks of it. Um, cool. So do you guys want to hear some stats? Yeah, let's do let's it. Let's play. Here. So I'll be <laughs> looking at numbers instead of you guys for a second. No um, so what we did basically is we looked at, we looked at 100 uh, food and dining local landing pages. Uh, we looked at the the website, you know, to understand some basic website things. We looked at um, uh, city level page, state level pages, 
um, and then of course the store or restaurant level page um, to find common attributes or unique attributes that might play a role in helping a page rank. Um, and of those hundred, I started to sort of do some math and understand percentages at the site level. And this is really interesting, well, to me anyway, if we haven't lost like everybody who's been watching so far, all <laughs> geeky stuff we're doing. Um, the first one was uh, auto-locate. <clears throat> if you had to guess how many, how many of these uh, multi-location uh, restaurants uh, were auto-locating uh, for users, when you go to a page and it says, would like to know your location, you click yes or no. What percent do you think we're using auto-locate, if you had to guess? I would say a smaller percent than you'd expect. I don't know, less than 50, I would say. It was, it was 24%. Yeah. 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 This is a little bit of a scary statistic. Only 84% were using HTTPS. That so, doesn't surprise me, just because like web might not be like, you know, their first priority. this is location so. brands. This isn't yeah. like on the top. These are... These are, you know, it's corporations. So 16, 16 of them did not use HTTPS. I thought that was really interesting. Um, locator, how a percentage of them that had an actual location locator? I'll just tell you, it was 95%. So not surprised at that one. Yeah. The ones that were probably, that didn't, probably only had, you know, 40 to 50 locations or something, right? And they just listed them all on a page. 35% um, used a state level page. 46% used a city level page. And I think the reason why a lot of them didn't use the city level page is because maybe they only have one location in each city. So I thought that, that made yeah. a little bit more sense because if like Umami Burger, right? I think there's only one in Anaheim, right? And yeah. one in certain you know parts of LA. So it makes sense. Why would you have both if you only have one location? It's just an extra click. Exactly. Um, and then property level pages. This was interesting because I would have assumed every single one of them would have a local landing page for each store or restaurant, and only 64% did. Oh wow, that's shocking because that's an easy one right there. Yep, like, easy way to, to get your yeah. things in there. And yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing that we looked at was when you do a when you perform a search for the brand, um, does the location near you show up as as a, a site link? And we just want to know, you know, where are you optimizing your site well enough that that Google could figure out which page to show as a site link? Um, and because only 64% had a property landing page, only 63% actually did. So it correlates to the number of people. So if you have a local landing page and somebody just searches for a mommy burger or for McDonald's or whatever, um, it's it's pretty likely, like there's only a 1% TV in here. Um, it's pretty likely that they're going to show that page in the search results so the user doesn't have to go from your homepage yep. to the state, to the city, to the you know local landing page. <laughs> as long as you have a local landing page, they'll show that. Um, and I know that that seems like one of those topics where we shouldn't create a page for every single location. Um, it's duplicate content, but it's working and it helps the user get the experience that they wanted. So I don't I don't think that's going to change. Yeah. Um, fifty-five percent had no markup. So Ooh, another but, easy one yeah. of just easy using your content that's already there and marking it up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So that was site level. Those are the site level statistics that we pulled, and um, we'll make sure we we share this with everybody too, outside of you know just me yammering yeah. on about it. Um, page speed. We know page speed is a big issue. Um, there's a whole blog post on the Google blog about how we're using page speed as a ranking signal. Um, really interesting. The average page speed, page speed was a D, 
when we measured it through GT metrics, it was a D. Only 6%, or sorry, 8%, 6 um, of the locations we looked at had an A score. So 8%, wow. only 8%. It makes me feel a little better about the site speed. <laughs> yeah, right. Eighteen percent were were B. Um, uh, let's see, eighteen percent were also C. Twenty-one percent D, and then ten percent E's. I guess this was a European thing that because I'm like, what's an E? Um, and then uh, page speed uh, uh, F was twenty-six percent. So twenty-six percent wow. of them uh, failed on page speed. So while we know they're probably using page speed. Um, we know they're not using it exclusively. And if there's other ways that you can get around it because of your technology limitations or CMS limitations, I think you're safe. I mean, obviously try to make things better, but you can still rank, you know, 26% of the, you know, food and dining, top food and dining uh, multi-location brands don't pass a PageSpeed test. Um, TripAdvisor's PageSpeed isn't very good either. No, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> a lot of features too. That's, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, average load time in seconds. What's your guess? Ours was around 10. So, well, yeah. 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 Six? Oh, hold on. I got to go through it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a lot. You, what did you say? Six? That was my guess. Yeah. 5. That's our guess. So you're close. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the average paid speed uh, size. Um, 2,777K. The average number of requests, you know, where you're, you're requesting uh, a different style sheet, different JavaScript, you know, just the average number of, of requests that the page pulls. Um, what's your number? What do you think? That I don't know. It's about 115. Wow. Okay. Which is actually lower than I thought it was going to be. It's going to be a lot higher. There were some that had like four or 500 requests. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how many of these property level store landing pages of the hundred we looked at had native reviews on them? I'd hope almost a hundred percent have some sort of native reviews on them. Well, remember only 63 actually had a local landing page. So yeah. So out of the ones that have those local landing pages, though, I'd hope they're all trying to collect reviews in some way, whether they own it or they don't. Big zero. Not really? a single one of them. So what really? could you do as a multi-location brand to have a competitive advantage? Just get your native reviews going. Yeah. I can leave none of them. <laughs> I'm surprised. Mm -hmm. You can learn so much from that too. Like you can just learn so much from those reviews as well for like future content. Yeah, we did this before the COVID. So um, we're going to do it again after, you know, <laughs> probably, probably in July. You I know, think some I brands are still kind of getting, you know, adjusted. So yeah. I'm interested to see who changes and what changes and, what changed the most from the first time we did this. Definitely. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they invested more in as far as like their web presence, you know, with COVID and everything. So like, what do you think the average of number of GMB reviews are? Hmm. I know that doesn't apply to TripAdvisor, but- Yeah, I know, different yeah. world over here. Now these, these are, like I said, some of the top chains. I mean, Starbucks is in this mix, um, you know, McDonald's and, um, you know, Apple. You mean games. collectively, like mm -hmm. uh, that they've collected collectively, or like average, by page type? Average per location. Okay, so fifty thousand. Really? That's my guess. One one location <laughs> has fifty thousand reviews. It's well, it depends on what it is. It's okay. actually five hundred and five. Wow. The average. Yep. And you think that many people go into a restaurant every day? 
Yeah. You know, it's crazy that they're not they're not pushing more of their online reputation efforts. I've I've gone in multiple times to the restaurants that we support and I'm I'm asking them, hey, were were you gonna ask me if I'm gonna leave a review online? Because I had a great experience. And they're like, no, we don't really do that. So are they basically more it's so interesting to me to find out like because we have the restaurants business of so TripAdvisor and Yelp has that are they I wonder if they're just sending people to TripAdvisor, TripAdvisor or Yelp to leave those reviews versus their own um Sad, sadly I, yeah. two of those that we support send them to their own customer service URL without a grading okay. system it's just ask them um open-ended questions and it goes to customer care um and is never used for marketing and just goes into oblivion totally wasted so much stuff i know so much good and you can like set up your template to just collect exactly kind of what you want to know and set you know minimal character limit so that they're not writing one word answers like awesome great so that you can really like optimize it for seo too yep great um the y word i know you guys hate this one yelp ratings what's the average Oh, on them for their own restaurants. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was 505 for GMB. So Ooh. how many for Yelp? All right. Uh, should make you feel good. Definitely actually, 300. Like, <laughs> it's 351. Right? <laughs> That's because 600 are hidden and not not approved by uh, by Yelp, right? <laughs> wow. I was going to say like a couple thousand. So only 300 on average. 351 wow. on average. Um, and I think that's because they a lot of businesses have made the, the pivot to Google reviews. Um, I see. They're just, they're jaded from, from Yelp. They're not allowed to ask for Yelp reviews. Yeah. Um, there's still a user base on Yelp. I still have the, the app and, and the TripAdvisor app, which by the way, TripAdvisor will be in our next study, I promise. <laughs> but um, uh, especially since you've been flanking Yelp, every time I see that, I get excited. Um, <laughs> Because I know that you don't filter. In fact, you send out cards to people and you say, um, uh, yep. you know, please ask for reviews. And we love mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll just run through these because I know we're, we're short on time and we want to do a little lightning round. So uh, yeah. Facebook, oh, by the way, the average rating on GMB was 4.12. So if you want to rank better in the map packs and maybe even an organic, um, you probably want to strive for something greater than, you know, one or 4.1. That's greater average. than one. I was like, hopefully they get greater than one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and then on Yelp, the average is three point one eight. Oh, it's lower. That's surprising. Well, that's yeah. interesting because these are the same people. Why is it lower on Yelp? That we know why. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah. Uh, they filter them out. Uh, mm-hmm. Facebook ratings. Um, there's on average three hundred and sixty-eight. So really close to Yelp, which is surprising. I don't think there even be that many. Um, and then the average was 4.21. Now, this doesn't really apply as much, and it's not going to uh, be useful when we look at it now because it's now it's recommend. It's not, um, you know, where you leave a, a specific score. So not something we'll be able to, to sort of delta off of, but still interesting uh, nonetheless. And and like Google, it's, you know, a whole point higher than Yelp. Um, cool. So restaurants, GMB categories, when we're looking at the restaurant side of things, um, you know, we just kind of want to understand um, uh, that what percent we're using restaurant as a as a category. It was 12 percent. The rest were all individual categories. And we're talking about, um, you know, when you're optimizing your Google My Business profile, what category you choose can make a huge difference in where you rank in maps. So um, it was so varied um, for the individual restaurants. If it was a bar and grill, they started marketing as uh, as a bar and grill or American 
um, you know, dining. But for the most part, 12% were using restaurants and the rest were all sort of varied based on their individual niche. So I, I had assumed a few years ago that if we went restaurant, we'd go broad enough that we'd absorb more traffic because there's more search for restaurant near me yeah. versus say bar and grill near me or American food near me. Um, but as it turns out, you know, there's, there's a pretty um, even percentage of people that are businesses that are using their specific niche and not um, the broader restaurant and trying to you know absorb more traffic. So I'm not as worried about that now, but I was thinking, hey, the only way yeah. to rank and get more traffic is to go as broad as we can, and that's not a good answer. Yeah, we we actually had an issue with that. I won't say their name, but a large like entertainment <laughs> slash not great food place wanted to be listed as both a restaurant and an attraction, and we ended up letting them. And like you said, the pages were identical, but it was just in the two different categories. And I think restaurants actually did get more. Um, because yeah, at, at a core, that's that's probably what it was. Yeah. Um, business citations, and we're thinking about, and these are, I know these are more map type rankings, yeah. but I figured it'd be interesting anyway. Um, I only have a few. So citations, business citations do play an incremental role in how, you know, Google's playing Pac-Man across the internet and trying to find your name, address, phone number information. And um, the average number of citations across these restaurant individual locations was about 60. And a lot of them are syndicating using platforms, you know, you're, your Rio SEO, your Brandify, your Yext, your um, you know some partners or whatever they're using those third parties. Uh, BirdEye I think does some of that stuff too to syndicate their data to the aggregators. You know the locally's um, factual slash uh, Foursquare or um, uh, yeah Foursquare. Um, I think Axiom's gone now. Uh, locally's right. So it's it's a, a lot of um, a lot of that. Um, so yeah, so 60, I thought that was interesting because, you know, we we generally, you know, try to hit that, you know, three digit number wherever we can, just so that we know we're getting is more uh, more or uh, equal to what our competitors are getting. The tool I use for that, by the way, um, is WhiteSpark. Darren Shaw has this amazing tool called Local Citation Finder. So, you know, we'll use both keyword and we'll put in specific competitors that show up in maps, sometimes 20 or 30 of them to understand where they're getting their business citations from. And then we assign it to somebody to do that at scale can be really challenging. So, um, you know, for those multi-location brands, um, I would probably focus on those locations that are struggling, you know, where you're in a competitive area, um, you know, and just do them sort of ad hoc when you have problems. Otherwise, it could be a very expensive and long-term undertaking. Um, what percent do you think had a, a Google uh, or, or GMB 360 virtual tour? When you went to their GMB profile, that was... Uh, submitted, you know, through uh, a Google 360 certified photographer? I'd say definitely less than half, if that's something they have not invested in yet. <laughs> Photography and all that, zero. Oh. Yeah. Because I feel like that aspect is always the last um, for resources and, you know, images and that kind of play. Right. Um, property level page markup. What percent... Um, do you feel on the property level store page, the restaurant page, used markup? I'd hope most of them. Yeah, 32% had no markup. So we actually had, yeah, what, 68? Um, wow. Yeah. So, hey, there's an opportunity. Restaurant markup in this industry for restaurant, 37% used restaurant markup, and the rest were um, all the specific type of restaurant. Or, or they just use local business as a generic. 
So I thought that was that was kind of interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to like test, I guess, from their perspective, is yeah. it more beneficial? Obviously, you'd think the restaurant markup to have, but like, does it make a difference and like, see for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 26%, no H1 tag. Um, 58% had a Google map embed. So if you're kind of thinking about what map should I embed on my local landing page that might make it, uh, you know, sort of semantically similar to uh, other brands, seems like Google would be the way to go versus say an uh, open street map or, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or a third party map. Um, and that can get expensive because you have to pay for the, you know, the API now. Uh, um, custom location images. What percent do you think actually put location images of that location on their location page? Zero. Mm -hmm. That's what 22%. I was thinking. 22%. <laughs> oh. A little better than we thought. Yeah. My That's expectation bar has gotten lower and lower. Yeah. As on. <laughs> because that, like, because it, it requires moderation, right? You have to, one, you have to verify that it's your location. Yep, they just right. grab it off something and. You have to make sure they're not using some third-party picture that you don't have the rights to, you know. And so it's a it's a tough yeah. one. At scale, it's hard to do anyway. Um, hours listed is ninety-five percent. I was about to be better be better be a hundred percent of those people. <laughs> but only but only twenty-one percent actually had an open now status. So you know, wow. bolding and and showing kind of hey, we're open right now. Um, so that's another competitive advantage opportunity, yeah. I think. Only 23% listed their menu on the page itself. You had to, uh, the rest of them, you had to go to the main nav or go through some sort of other feature on the page to get to the menu. What now, menu markup? Uh, let's see. I actually did get that data. Is it on here? Let's see. Let's link menu and jump to. I, you know, I have it, but it's not on this the sheet. Yeah. I'll share it with you after that. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is this is the big one for me, and this worked really well for the auto repair franchise. Coupons offered on the local landing page. What percent? I would say, I don't know. I would say less than fifty if it's coupon like restaurant focused offered type stuff. One percent. Yeah, because I have not seen that in my research yet. <laughs> yeah, and they still they they did have like like special sub pages or sub uh, specials main pages but they didn't actually have a local coupon for that location that you're on and and even that one percent didn't have any sort of barcoding system or or qr code system you know now yeah. that menus are qr codes with covid it's the perfect time to figure out you know how you can um, do your online to offline attribution you've got the perfect opportunity to throw a qr code in there that um you know that you could use when the, the customer comes into the restaurant, you know, just one little extra attribute on the QR code, um, you know, to, to make it a variant. And, and now you can track revenue from keywords, but I doubt most businesses will do that or, you know, have the, you know, the, the resources, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. 63% had a directions link. Uh, only 14% had any sort of hyper local content. And those were generally the ones that had fewer locations. 5% um, had jump to links, jump to links on the page so that you would um, see in the search result in the meta description, jump to menu, jump to coupon, right? Um, so, and, and you don't do that uh, coding wise, you you just put a name anchor, you know, and hashtag that yep. jumps to that part of the page. Um, listing the local social links, like your your local Facebook page, 
or Foursquare page or Yelp page or TripAdvisor page, um, only 15% were actually doing that, where it was the actual location page. The rest just went to the corporate profile. Hmm. So that's that gets into yeah. Barnacle SEO. So that means only 15% have even considered doing Barnacle SEO and maybe only 5% thought about it as Barnacle SEO. Right. Yeah. Um, zero had video. So between native reviews, coupons, and video, you can crush it probably in yeah. organic and local results by just adding a little video um, that's you know that's personalized to that location and why that location is great. And maybe some some people who sign releases that they can be on video and get some customer experiences, you know, yeah. or just maybe feature some of your employees that have been there for a while or some cool creative content you can do with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we're almost at the end. Um, H card, 5% of the sites were actually using an H card on the local landing page, which I think is good because then you can put that as a, you can, you can click a link and add it as a contact with all the location information and phone number and um, you know, all that. I think it's, it's actually a really good idea if it's prominent and people know how to use it. Geo meta tags, 22% know how to use a geo meta tag. So that's that's encouraging. There's there's still promise out there for uh, those folks that want to use meta. But uh, I haven't actually heard any discussions on geo meta tags in probably five years. So it's interesting that uh, you know, that was even in there. Um, this is a little controversial because Google says that that their their EAT signals, their expertise, uh, authority, trust signals are really more uh, about off page and what other brands and pages and links uh, are coming into the site. And then their quality rater guidelines, which are for, you know, a third party they hire to help them, um, you know, to evaluate search results. You know, they talk about a lot of landing page type EAT, even though they don't, they don't algorithmically factor those things in, you know, they're just looking at that feedback to try to figure out a way to provide a better result. Uh, but when we look at those, those EAT signals, it's um, for the most part is, uh, I look at it as, is this a fake news page? Are there big promises, you know, being made? Are there, um, are there things that you can trust the brand with like trust signals, um, such as, um, you know, uh, awarded, um, top in, in La Mirada, California, um, you know, by the La Mirada, um, you know, city foundation or something, right. Or chamber of commerce or just something so that you feel like you can trust the brand and trust the page. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, only 1%. Did anything with that which meant one of the hundred that we looked at well 63 so yeah it would be a little bit different the last one i have is is actually embedding a 360 tour we did this for 20 percent of, of one of the storage franchises we worked with um, and we did see an incremental lift in search rankings but we also saw a little bit of a drop in conversion rate um, but we had that 360 video pretty prominent above the fold on desktop um, had we not had an m dot and a desktop maybe that whole mm -hmm. test would have been different so yeah. that is my uh, my summary of um, our, our little study of looking at local landing pages. You guys ready for the lightning round? Real quick, are, yeah. are you going to approach these companies and, and yeah. share your <laughs> findings? Yeah, right. Me, me and my my you know, six employees over here. Why not? Yeah, we got all the time. Help them out, guys. I'm going to need you to come in permanently. <laughs> got some cots over here. And, right. 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, let's start left to right again, Amy. You ready? Lightning round. What are your favorite three SEO tools? Uh, Ahrefs for SERP feature tracking. Okay. Um, SEMrush 
for identifying keyword opportunities and of course search console. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Vanessa. Um, and I would say the same to add on with Ahrefs. We used it a lot with just like backlinks as well. And we did different analysis. Mm -hmm. um, Rush is great for competitor tracking too, because you can compare. It's really like, I like the visuals on that a little bit better. Just the graph visuals yeah. you can do um, for competitor tracking and set up different projects and then Google search console as well. That's awesome. Yeah. I like, I like SEM rush for being able to do keyword analysis. Um, and I like um, Ahrefs for doing intersecting links. I think those are, that's a really cool tool where you can actually see where everyone in industry are getting their links from and then run a pivot table and say, I need to be in these places. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, of course, search console now is it's more, more use. Have you, have you guys played with Bing webmaster tools? A little bit, really cool stuff in there, but I know? haven't really, yeah, we were very kind of not focusing on Bing as much because most of our traffic came in through Google. Yeah. So well, it wasn't really worth our time. Yeah. Some people yeah. are like, it's kind of a joke. What's Bing? Yeah. <laughs> um, who should we be following on social if, if we want to be, you know, in in local search or, or just really be an expert? Who do you who do you follow that that shares really good content? Yeah, um, my lazy answer here is Google. <laughs> um, for me, too, I think it's just not. not yeah, <laughs> yeah, Google. Um, but just there's a lot of good blogs too, like Search Engine Journal um, and is one of my favorites of just staying up to date or the Google blog itself for the keyword blog, you can stay up to date with their different product updates um, as well. And kind of if they announce a new type of schema markup, you're like the first to know. So you can start rolling that stuff out faster than your competitors, I'd say. Right. Yeah, I know. And I know HubSpot puts out a lot of really good content too. I like I like watching their feed. Um, yeah. I would say others that I, I like to follow, like like Bill Sosky from SEO by oh, the yeah. Sea. Um, because he doesn't just say, you know, here's, here's a patent. He says, here's a patent that was written by a guy who worked on this project and has expertise in this area. So if they hired him because he has expertise in this area, it's likely that they might incorporate some of that. And I love that because it's so deep and it's so insightful. So I, I kind of geek out on that. Um, yeah. What are your favorite SEO groups in Facebook or LinkedIn? Well, I don't have Facebook. I'm like the 1% that doesn't show up. <laughs> Like the millennial that decided to get rid of Facebook like a while wow. back. So okay. maybe I'll I'll pass this. And then I just have a lot of connections on LinkedIn and I follow like different people post really interesting articles. I'm in the SEO industry that I'll follow. Usually tip being is when you go to a conference, meet people, add them immediately on LinkedIn before you forget. Um, and then that's kind of a good way to stay yeah. engaged with what different people are like posting and writing about. I need to industry. be on LinkedIn more. I just, I get yeah. so overwhelmed by it when I get in there that it's, yeah, it's a lot, so much. Going on. Yeah. And we have so many more connections too. So it's, it's like, it's not exactly. a stream. It's a waterfall, you know, <laughs> fire hose or whatever. Amy, what are your favorite uh, social groups, SEO social groups? Yeah, I actually don't really have any social groups, but the digital markers um, organization that we all met through, I would recommend yep. that one. Yeah, I love that. Yep. There's so many people now that, that are in there and the happy hours are fantastic. Um, exactly. That's my, my favorite for sure. And then we have um, SEO Labs and Facebook is actually really fun. And there's a lot of really good characters in there and they, they weed the bad ones out very quickly, <laughs> um, which I love even more. And then there's also a White House SEO group that I enjoy um, doing that. And some of our friends have a have a lot of little private groups that are fun. Um, there's one called SEO Buddies that's neat, where Ooh. there's a lot of um, a lot of SEOs that struggle, you know, as as the um, extroverted introverts that we are, or introverted extroverts. Um, you know, we we carry yeah. a, a lot of a lot of 
stress and and complexity and as personalities. So um, we share a lot of you know what we're going through in that little private group, which is neat. Um, there's and there's a private group too that um, uh, another friend put together that's just really just SEO private SEO group and. Um, I think there's, you know, about a hundred of us in there and we're just helping each other with, Hey, why is this page not ranking? And, you know, we collaborate and just try to help each other as much as we can. So I, Does I really, it, do you have to have Facebook for that for people like me or can I, I think you get do, in a different way? That doesn't mean you can't set up like a, like a business. Just create a fake name or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, one SEO myth you, uh, you still see that drives you crazy. Do you want to go for? Or... I'd say just that SEO is dead. It's not. It's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I get asked that question. What are you going to do when SEO goes away? I'm like, well, yeah. people are going to stop, stop searching the internet. Yeah. <laughs> people stop searching the internet, then I guess I have to worry about it. But right. <laughs> um, and then for me, my pet peeve is like when people come to you and they're trying to start a new website and they're like, I know you work in SEO. How do I get to page one like immediately? Oh, yeah. And that's just I'm like. It, gets, it just gets, yeah, I get annoyed with that. This group in Australia did a video that was hilarious. It's this little cartoon. Um, I'll have to send it to you. It'll, it, you'll die because it's this, this businessman. It says, I want to be number one in Google for credit card. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's it's. Oh, so I should funny. check it out. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, for me, I would say PBNs. I think PBMs yeah. are pretty annoying to me. I feel like um, I feel like you're trying to game search results, you know, these private blog networks. I'm going to create a bunch of garbage that I want search engines to index that nobody's really going to read or use. And I'm going to leverage that to move up a page that probably shouldn't be ranking on its own anyway. Yep. I feel like I feel like it's gaming. It's just creating more URLs on the Internet that bog down the good content. So yep. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of the PBNs. And there's people that really believe in them. And and I get it. I understand it for affiliate marketers that are trying to build affiliate websites. And it's hard to get links to some of these affiliate websites. So I would say build a, a brand and have an affiliate vertical. Don't build an affiliate site. I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. Fastest way to rank a new page in organic. So we have a new city that just incorporated and they've got this cool attraction. Um, get it to rank right away. What do you do? I think like and this, I don't know if it would necessarily be ranking but just getting a lot of visibility through marketing and announcement like i i don't yeah. think from backlinks yeah. like pr perspective doesn't necessarily help you but it's more getting that visibility and announcing it in a way so that people are then start to look for it in google and want to go there and um you get more traffic on the page through that but i don't think like a backlink from a you know a media site announcing you is like necessarily like a direct ranking thing it's more just helping with visibility if it's a new page um, or a new you know restaurant or something that just you added into google i remember matt cut said that a few years ago they, that they basically disavowed all the the yeah. press release distribution and article distribution um sites so yeah it's interesting yeah amy what do you think what do you do i'd say um, good quality content and well um, you've already got good quality content number one spot quickly yeah um yeah, I think good backlinks too. Okay. Um, just like, I don't know, whatever governing establishment is involved in what you are, get them to link to you. Interesting. So they get the industry to to give you the credibility. That's an, that's a neat signal. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a client who's in the uh, watch consignment business and he'll call me and say, um, Steve, I'm having trouble ranking a new page. 
And before you ask, yes, I linked it from the homepage. <laughs> okay, <laughs> internal so, linking yeah. is important too. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah. when when our restaurant chains decided they wanted to do off-premises and focus on delivery just before this COVID thing started happening, they're like, how do we get our delivery page to rank fast? I'm like, let's, let's link it up in the navigation and let's get a link um, from the homepage of the site. And even if you're like an auto repair franchise and you opened a new location that you wanted to rank, put a featured location section at the bottom and leave it up there for 30 to 45 days so that it can get some of that page rank, um, you know, uh, trust to move that page up quickly. And even when you remove it, once you're in the top results and you're getting that click through right now, it doesn't matter that you have that link. You've already qualified for, you know, for ranking by, you know, the, the month of CTR. So, um, so I would say homepage link and navigational link if you can. Um, we're almost there. Most important landing page SEO focal points. So uh, we'll just make us keep it around local since we're talking about local. Um, what's the one thing on your local landing page that's the most important? Is it a title tag? Is it page speed? Is it um, reviews? What do you think is the most important? Better have your information correct yeah, on what accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. You're the first first people I've actually heard that said that is accuracy. Yeah. Normally it's title tag or something. Yeah. Interesting. No, accuracy. Yeah. That's for both both you guys. It's accuracy. I think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, best link building technique. I think local. Like if you're doing a local strategy, um, getting local. I don't know bloggers or niche bloggers or people that are specific to um, that city area potentially to get more. Um, backlink strength from that local area, right. I would say. Yeah, like localized websites that are going to talk about whatever your yep. industry or that page is relevant to. That works like a champ. Every yeah. time we do events, it works like a champ. Amy, what do you think? I don't know if it's the best, but my favorite strategy is we had one of the subsidiaries had a blog that we wanted to build up and they created a scholarship um, program and got a boatload of um, .edu backlinks right. and it helped a lot. <laughs> which, which by the way, is, is a little burned right now too. If you yeah. look at some of those scholarship pages now, they look like link farms. So it's, sure. I think it was, they, it was something we did with the attorneys. It might not work now, but it did work. It, it, it can still work for certain industries for sure. Just some of them are burned. Like, like I think law firms are totally burned out. Like all the law school scholarships now are yeah. just like whole pages of them. So, yeah. um, um, I would say the best link building strategy that, that we've seen has, has to be similar to what, what you were saying, Vanessa, is events for the, for the restaurant chains. Um, you know, when they, when they do a local event, it's so easy to get the, the community to talk about it and share, about, share it, especially if the event is charitable and, and, um, and free and, and benefits them. Like, um, uh, hey, we're holding a, a CPR class um, or we're going to be doing a blood drive and blood drives aren't as nearly as, as linkable, I think, as some of the more creative things. Um, giving away helmets to, to kids for bike safety. It's, um, uh, I think Starbucks does this with their happy hour, right? And their buy one, get ones and things like that. And they promote it and say, hey, come into Starbucks this month and you'll get X. I think those drive a lot. And in the restaurant business, I think it was somewhere close to 5% of the restaurants were promoting heavily and getting links to their Veterans Day free um, Free meals on Veterans Day. Oh, nice! Um, so five percent of the restaurants were really pushing the the free meals for veterans. So that was that was something I'm sure can get you on those lists of sites that yep. give you free meals on Veterans Day. So I thought that was interesting. 
Mm. And that, that falls broadly into the event category. Um, all right. Is, and we kind of already talked about this one, but in your opinion, is expertise, authority, trust more important on the website or off of it? I think it's both. Yeah. I think they yeah. both influence each other a lot. Right. I still think if you had to choose one, I, I would say <laughs> off. Yeah. I would say it's the vote still. It's still yeah. page rank and so forth. Um, cool. And does off-page marketing help with keyword rankings? Not link building, but off-page marketing. Like, let's say billboards and TV. And does brand search um, have any significance on keyword rankings? Hmm. I think it's hard to correlate yeah. specific keywords, but I'm I'm sure it does, <laughs> just indirectly. So yeah, I think also um, I don't know. I think it's interesting when I just your own blogs that you kind of start on your own, and it's like I always wonder if I had a budget for paid marketing, would I? Because it's like I have the authority, I have the expertise. I wrote like all every you know SEO 101 checklist you can do for a new website, but maybe that paid visibility will help kind of correlate in a way um, to your rankings, at least when you're starting out and stuff. But we always see yeah. a lift in organic when we do display and, and um, especially if it's, if it's heavy. Um, yeah. when, I, when I was at Disney, we had this little argument between the, the display guy and, and me. He's like, the only reason you get these spikes and, and higher organic traffic is when I run big display ads. And I'm like, no way, you haven't worked my butt off to optimize. And, Sure enough, every time he runs a display campaign, same thing. Um, but but yeah. it's it's not sustainable, right? Unless you're just no. always running display. Uh, one thing I think it was in 2008 that Pontiac did is on the Super Bowl commercial. They said, "Don't believe us, ask Google." That was interesting. And um, uh, one one other client we had in 2010 or 11 uh, had a Cash for Gold store, and he was like the number one in Orange County because he had. His landing page stuff squared away. He had business citations. He had positive, good reviews coming in every month. He was technically qualified to be the best and and top ranked. One day, um, you know, I, I'm talking to him. He's like, this um, this Goldmax guy just like destroyed me. He has he has no reviews. He has no citations. He doesn't yeah. even have a website. It's just his GMB that's showing up above mine. What the heck is going on? And I couldn't figure it out. And it just was this miraculous coincidence that I was watching late night TV and Robin Leach is on a commercial saying, I'm Robin Leach and go to Goldmax and get the most for your gold. And I'm like, there it is. Mm -hmm. So I went to the Google keyword planner and I looked at the historical metrics back then. It wasn't really historical metrics. It was just all the metrics. <laughs> and, um, and it showed, it showed this huge spike in interest in Goldmax and not just in yep. Goldmax. It was Goldmax cash for gold, cash for gold, max, and all these different variations that, showed an, an interest in the brand and in the keyword and just outranked him like crazy for the time that he did. Now, when he stopped advertising, when those Goldmax commercials went away, so did the rankings. They just tapered off and went away. I thought the CTR would help them to sustain, but they really didn't because because they weren't attractive in the search results without star reviews and those sort of things. So um, I think that also goes like to the, our earlier point where, you know, like having a PR media website post about whatever new feature is not like a backlink ranking factor, but like just visibility on social and all these other channels is going to help maybe just bring people like that visibility to your site. And then if you're doing everything else correctly, where this guy mm -hmm. wasn't from an SEO perspective, but let's say on top of that, you had your entire page optimized and eventually you'd hope that that traffic would hold once you kind of stop 
spending as much on the mar initial marketing aspect That's of it. That's true. We forgot to put up our, our LinkedIn's, by the way, for those people who want to connect with us. Oh, what yeah. I'll do too is I know there's probably been a lot of questions on the different social channels that we're, we're sharing too. So let me do the banners first to start with. Get the Amy's. banners going. <laughs> so here's Amy's LinkedIn. You have to excuse the ugly glasses here. I'm getting old. I'm turning Rocking 44 them. next week. Can you believe it? 44 on July 3rd. Oh, you look good for 44. Oh my so. God. <laughs> I feel that way. <laughs> um, and then here is Vanessa's LinkedIn. Um, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll go back to the, the YouTube and the Facebook. And um, if anyone did have questions, we'll just kind of keep an eye on it and answer as many as we can within the next few days. And then yeah. here is mine. You're welcome to tease me about it as much as you want to. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, awesome. guys, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for yeah. spending time with me. And I, I know there's a million other topics that will we'll hopefully, if time permits, we'll be able to do more uh, of these in the future. And um, uh, anything else you wanted to, to tell people who are watching? Yeah, this is really fun. And um, one of the reasons why I love SEO is just because everyone is like willing to help each other. And we're, me and Amy are both three years in, um, but we've had a lot of great mentors and stuff as well. So it's been, yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, good luck at the, say good luck at the new position and Thank congratulations. You. <laughs> and Amy, I'm trying to help you with that other one, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yes, well, fingers crossed. Yes. Don't <laughs> almost here. <laughs> All right, yes. well, I'm gonna stop broadcasting, and we'll go into the queue. Sounds good. Bye, everyone. Thank you.